Hi, I'm Shari Tishman. And I'm David Perkins. Welcome to Episode 5 of Season 2 of our Thinkability Podcast. Hey, we're glad you're listening. Today, we're talking about a theme that we've called the power and peril of story. It's been on our minds lately, especially as we listen to all the wild stories in the news, and maybe it's on your minds too. The power of stories all around us. There's the pull of a great novel, the pleasure of being immersed in a movie or a video series. There's the tug of political narratives, sometimes warring political narratives. You know, we tell our personal or family stories. We tell stories of our communities and our cultures. Stories as a form pack a lot of punch. They're engaging to listen to. They communicate a lot of information in really efficient and compelling ways. They draw us in. They capture our attention. They engage our hearts, our minds, and sometimes even our senses. They're powerful. All good, right? Yeah, not quite. The peril of story is all around us also. Stories based on misinformation or falsities. Polarizing stories meant to divide us. The contested stories of our shared histories, stories that portray a misleadingly small slice of larger truths. There are a lot of harmful ways that storytelling can go wrong. Today, we want to dig into the power and peril of story particularly from the perspective of thinking. And we especially want to bring out some of the perils of story that don't get talked about quite as much as perils simply related to misinformation and narrow perspectives. Well, we will say more about what those additional perils are in a moment, but there's a kind of basic question to get started on here. What is a story and what isn't? Hey, Shari, help us with that. Great question, and a big one. Well, stories have several recognizable features. They typically have a beginning, middle, and an end. There's usually a flow of events over time. They're told from a point of view. Often there's a plot, some characters, maybe some sort of conflict or central event. Not all of these features have to be present in every story, but there's usually some core subset of them that are. And of course, stories can be about all kinds of things, fictional things, real life things, or some blend. And stories can be at any scale. We can tell grand stories that cover a sweeping theme or small little stories of what happened on the way to the market today. But whatever the topic and scope of a story, whether it's fact or fiction, grand or everyday, stories tend to have a recognizable structure. It's that structure that grabs us. Humankind has been telling stories for millennia. We like a good story, and we often experience stories as having an intrinsic pull. That's part of the allure of story. It pulls us along, keeping us interested in what happens next. Now, it's worth noting that people like to tinker with the story form, and there are plenty of stories that are atypical. As we talk about today's theme, the power and peril of story, we're not so much thinking about atypical stories, nor are we thinking about the high art of storytelling. Rather, we're noodling about how stories work as a way of explaining the world, how they influence our beliefs, how they influence our understanding. Okay, so back to that question, what is a story? 
you suggested there, a story is a certain kind of an account. It's an account or a description of how something happened or why it is the way it is or what might happen. But here's the thing, not all accounts are stories. Take something like Newton's law of gravity. It gives an account of why the apple falls from the tree, but in itself, it's not a story. Or think of a heat map of the earth. The heat map gives an account of the range of temperatures across the Earth's surface. It describes that state of affairs, but it's not a story either. You could tell stories about these kinds of accounts. For example, you could tell a story about Newton's life, or you could tell a story of someone who gets hit on the head with an apple. And in fact, people often tell that story when they introduce Sir Isaac Newton. You could tell a story about a community that's experiencing devastating effects of warming global temperatures that might be reflected in a heat map. But the theory of gravity or a map of global temperatures aren't in themselves stories, although they are certain kinds of accounts. When we recognize something as a story, especially as we're drawn into the narrative momentum of it, it tends to put us in a story mindset which makes us especially receptive to the power of stories. Ah, yes, that power. Well, let's talk about the power of stories first before we talk about the peril. We all know that stories can be powerful, captivating, entertaining, informative, convincing. Where does that come from? Well, of course, there's the expressive, dramatic, and often humorous side of stories. But Let's also recall that typical stories are a certain kind of account of something, sometimes factual, sometimes fictional, sometimes a mix, but accounts that package a lot of information in an organized and compelling way. And we've already heard a little bit about how that packaging works. Typically, there's a beginning and an end. There's a sequence of events. This happened and then that happened. There's a continuity to that sequence. There are causal or logical links. One thing leads to the next. Our attention is captured by a little bit of suspense, even to some extent for stories we already know. Here they are unfolding again. Little Red Riding Hood, David and Goliath. Yeah, we know what happens, but we have an appetite to hear and to retell them often. So true. You know, and it's worth adding that stories are really flexible. We use them in all kinds of situations. You know, sometimes we tell stories about real events, about fictional events. Sometimes we mix it up. Sometimes there's fantasy. Sometimes stories just entertain us. Sometimes we use them as explanations, as in stories about scientific discoveries or stories about, I don't know, the life cycles of plants. Sometimes stories carry morals like Aesop's fables. And they operate at various levels of grain. They can be short or long, detailed or sparse, educational or entertaining, or both. It really depends on what their purposes are and what their audiences are. But whatever it is, when we feel a story getting started, we know what to expect in broad terms, and we tune into those elements as the story unfolds. And again, that's the story mindset. Being in that mindset helps us track and to some extent even participate in the story as it goes along. Even if I just say, once upon a time, dot, 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 or if I say, you'll never believe what just happened, dot, 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 it's likely that just those phrases will trigger the story mindset for you. Well, so there are some of the things that make stories powerful. 
They pull you as they go along. They get us into the story mindset. They're a really efficient way of packaging and expressing ideas. So, Dave, let's turn to the perilous side. What do you think? Ah, perils, perils. Well, before we hit hard on stories, let's begin by recognizing something much more general. It's not just stories that can be problematic. Any kind of account, a technical explanation, an argument, statistics, any of these can have important gaps or contain outright falsehoods or show bias and so on. Any kind of account is potentially misleading. So what special peril comes with stories? Of course, other kinds of accounts have their own special perils also, but we're focusing on stories here. In a very broad sense, for stories, we might point to what we'll call the closure peril. Here's how that goes. When we hear a story, we tend to hear it as, that's that. That's the story. That's the way it is. The matter is closed, done, settled. It's not on our mind that the story might contain mistakes or misleading aspects or might not be a really very good way to capture the topic. So true. And, and reinforcing that, we don't usually find different stories about the same thing side by side, given at the same time. You know, to put it another way, a compelling story takes up a lot of oxygen. It doesn't leave much air in the room for alternative stories. Now, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes, you know, in sophisticated literary works, you might have narratives told from different points of view. Sometimes reporting really makes an effort to talk about more than one perspective. In courtrooms, we might hear, on the one hand, the story of the crime side by side with giving of some empirical evidence. But on the whole, when we hear a story, it's sort of offered up as the story. Of course, we are not completely blind to how stories might mislead, even fictional stories, which, for instance, can project stereotypes. We know the story is fiction, but the stereotypes may capture us anyway. We recognize all this in principle, but a story tends to carry us along with its beginning and causal flow, the overall tidiness, all reinforcing the sense of closure by tying everything up in a neat package. Notice there's a kind of irony here. This closure peril, the peril of the single story, comes from the same features of story form that make it so powerful. That is part and parcel of the story mindset. Well, all that is pretty general. So let's look at some particular versions of the closure peril. Hey, kick us off here, Shari. Well, as you mentioned before, maybe the most straightforward peril is misinformation in a story. Misinformation, mistakes, maybe lies, bias, oversimplification, including stereotypes. When we read or hear a story, especially when we aren't actively thinking about whether we should believe it or not, we tend to take for granted that the information is correct. That's it. That's right. That's the story. In other words, the story mindset tends to interfere with a critical mindset. The purpose of a critical mindset is to help us reason well about what to believe and what to do. A critical mindset encourages us to probe claims and examine the quality of reasoning. It encourages us to seek evidence and to be actively alert to counter-narratives, bias, gaps in information. It's not so easy to get immersed in a story mindset and a critical mindset at the same time. 
Of course, sometimes a story is so glaringly problematic that it triggers a critical mindset. That's good. But often, we don't really have much background in the stories we hear or we read, nothing to alert us to a glaring problem. To get critical, we need to pause and stand back and ask questions. Not so easy with the momentum of the story mindset. Mm. Also, misleading content isn't the only version of the closure peril. Another is that sometimes story as a form of an account isn't the right one. It doesn't represent a topic well. The story told might be 100% accurate as far as it goes, but still not offer a good account. So for instance, if you're an educator and let's say you're teaching science and you begin a unit with a story about the life of a famous scientist and her discoveries, that's great. We love human interest stories and they can really spark curiosity about broader events and ideas. But if you're going on to try to teach something complex, say the effects of ecosystem changes on human health, a story mindset quickly becomes inappropriate, really. You'll need to be looking at complex interactions on multiple dimensions in order to understand the topic, often things happening simultaneously. And to understand that kind of complexity, it's probably better to have a systems mindset rather than a story mindset. It's not that a story mindset and a systems mindset can't be taken on one after another. You can tell a story of a famous scientist and then put on a systems mindset. But because a story mindset is so compelling, you might have to make a special effort not to get stuck in it. So true. And here's a very different kind of situation where a story mismatches the circumstances. Often, especially in advertising and in public discourse, a story offers a single very vivid example with the purpose of convincing us that what happened in one special case Well, it applies to all the cases, or most of the cases. Let's say the story of a miracle cure, a story of success through hard work and grit. These are stories that aim to persuade us to generalize from a particular case. Let's be generous. Let's say that the story in itself is 100% correct. Let's say it really happened. But a single story, no matter how vivid, is poor evidence from the standpoint of good reasoning. Remember that miracle cure? Does everyone who drinks the potion have immediate hair growth? Most people? Just once in a while? The story mindset invites us to take the story as typical, but it can easily be atypical, circulating informally because it's exciting, or cherry-picked to advance a particular agenda. What's needed is not a story mindset, but instead a sampling or survey mindset with attention to breadth and to fairness. Mm. Here's another kind of situation. It has to do with perspective taking. A story often only portrays one perspective on a situation without taking into account the multiple perspectives that are needed to give a full account. And again, As you were saying, a story might be correct or accurate as far as it goes, if that's what things really look like from a particular perspective. But a multi-perspectival account is much more truthful often. This problem comes up a lot in history, when historical events involve different groups of people who have very different lived experiences of the same event or era. And if we want to know what really happened, it's really essential to hear multiple perspectives. 
especially if those perspectives may have been ignored or silenced by popular dominant historical accounts. There are some serious perils. Hey, but don't get us wrong here. We are not complaining about stories. Stories are a great resource for making sense of the world. We would certainly not want to be without. It's just that, like any kind of account, stories have their characteristic perils also. And because stories are perhaps the most commonplace and familiar way of sharing ideas, those perils are something to watch out for, even as we mostly embrace and mostly enjoy the power of stories. So, Shari, what advice can we take away from all this? What should we do? Mm, well, I think maybe first would be to just be alert to situations that invite critical thinking. Situations that might involve constructing or evaluating an argument, or deciding what to believe, or making an important life decision. While story may have a role in bringing these situations to life, one could tell a scary story about what happens when a certain life decision is made, it's important to be alert to the persuasive pull of the closure peril. The peril that what you hear in that one particular story is all there is to think about. And then I guess in the same spirit, it's important to be alert to situations where stories play a role in convincing you of a particular position as you were talking about, Dave. Does a story aim to persuade based on an inappropriately small sample? Does it aim to persuade by playing on stereotypes or offering an inappropriately narrow perspective? These can be really important questions to ask. You know, it's worth remembering that there are different mindsets available to us all. It's not just the story mindset. Maybe we should ask ourselves what mindset or mindsets are appropriate here. Maybe we'll want to include a critical mindset. Maybe it's a systems mindset. Maybe it's a perspectives mindset. Maybe it's a combo of mindsets. We shouldn't be afraid to take on different mindsets, kind of like wearing different hats. Often, it's perfectly reasonable to take on different mindsets at different moments of the same situation. I'm thinking about educational settings like classrooms and simply having a conversation with students about the power and peril of story can be worthwhile. Not a conversation with the purpose of denigrating story. Stories are wonderful and humankind probably couldn't live without them. But it's worth helping students see that the story mindset does have a particularly powerful pull, which is, as you said, Dave, something to savor and enjoy, but also something to be alert to. A good closing thought. Well, maybe that kind of wraps it up for today. We'll be back in a few weeks with a topic that builds on several of the themes we've been discussing this year. We're still deciding on a title, so stay tuned. Until then, thanks for listening. As always, you can find the Thinkability podcasts on the Project Zero website or on Substack or Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you later, Shari. See you later, Dave.